0: This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey friends, it is now episode seven of The Real Mom Podcast. Today is a good one. Today is the first time that I talk to a mom who is not a foster or adoptive mom, but she's a real mom. And we get to hear from her, learn from her. We talk raising lots of little kids. We talk momming boys feeling like you're not good at this, but finding God's grace in that. I love this guest, and I'm so happy for you to hear from her. Here's my episode with Lori Reyes. Today I'm talking to my friend Lori Reyes. Lori is the very first person I've talked to that is an in-real-life friend. She's also the first mom that I've talked to who is I hate to say only, but only a biological mom. No adoption, no foster, but I love her. I love what she has to say. She is my uh, favorite person to listen to. And so I wanted to share her with all of you. So hi, Laurie.
1: Hi, you're so kind.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad that we're talking today. I'm so glad everyone's going to get to hear from you. So tell us a
1: little bit about your family. Okay, so I have four kids. I have twin 20 year olds and a 19 year old. Those three are my boys. And then I have a 16 year old girl. So I did, I threw that family together in three years basically, four kids in three years. So that begs like
0: 20 questions right away. But the first is can we just talk about raising a lot of little kids, because so many of us are deep in that, and you are out of it now. Now, you still have a house full, but can you just talk about your experience raising lots of littles?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's so funny, because I think when you're in it, it's just what feels normal to you, and it's more like the other day we were watching home videos, and we were laughing so hard because it just looked so crazy, but we had no idea how crazy it was. And in hindsight, I was like, how do we do all of that? Um, I think the big thing is just trying to not compare with other people's how they're doing things. So there were things that I had to like refigure, you know, that other people maybe didn't have to, or I had to be careful not to say like, how come I can't do all these things? Like, why can't I manage this? But I had a lot more people. And I also think having all of them little, Um, you're dealing with sibling rivalry a little bit earlier, like there's certain parenting things that don't, you don't fit the mold for some of the parenting books. And so I think there was a lot of adjustments of expectations on my part um, that had to be made and just practical accommodations, like how to get through the store and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So I've heard you talk
0: before about how you're grateful that you didn't mom in like the Facebook age, Yes, (laughs) because you just mentioned comparing. Can you talk to just like the temptation to comparison for moms?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can't even imagine how you girls, um, you see the best of each other online, typically. I mean, I feel like people are trying to be more, more real now, which is great. But um, I think it would have crushed me when I was younger, just seeing like what everybody else is able to do and truly wanting to be good at this whole mom thing and watching other people maybe prosper in areas that I was failing in. So I think that would be really hard. I, I love it now because I love being able to cheer these young moms on. I know like what you're seeing online is just a little slice of a very hidden and hard life. So now that I'm older, I love to be like, hey girl, you're doing awesome. I love that you're doing that. But if I had been younger doing it, I think it would have been pretty overwhelming because we're all tempted to compare anyway. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that that, there was a little bit of, um, blogging was more of the thing when my kids were school-aged. But even that, you're getting a little bit long. You're not getting snippets and pictures. You're getting a hard expression. Like it's a little bit longer than that. So it wasn't as tempting.
0: So were you surrounded by other women who were parenting lots of littles, or were you kind of alone in that?
1: Um, I I was surrounded by my family, and I was definitely the only one doing that whole crazy thing. Like, my sister has a girl, and then three years later, a boy. My brother has like a boy, and then two, like reasonably spaced. So um, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends doing that. And, but I did have a lot of support from my mom and my mother-in-law, which was huge. So a lot of my emotional support came from my family. But I do remember thinking like, Wow. So, you know, watching my siblings, especially parenting and com- and comparing not in a bad way, but just more in a practical way, like they can just put the kids in the car and go somewhere. Like we couldn't do fast food. We couldn't do any of that stuff. It was like too expensive and too many little people. It would have been exhausting just to even go out in public was a chore half the time. So yeah, I didn't have a lot of people doing it at the same time I was, but I did have good support in the family being in the area. Yeah. Okay. So how did you sort of keep your
0: sanity you know I know there's practical things but how did you keep yourself how did you keep your relationship with God and your husband strong keep yourself sort of in the midst of all that
1: yeah I think that was a huge more so than having so many little kids at whatever age because that just was what my life was I think the adjustment of going from working to staying at home and psychologically trying to deal with the futility of my days, you know, everything you do is getting undone. There is no sense of I'm finished at the end of the day. Um, That was a huge thing that I had to work through. And I feel like God in his kindness um, provided his word and things like, um, you know, Romans 12, one and two about presenting my body as a living and holy sacrifice and, and, and elevating these tasks to more than just the futility of housework, that these things could be actually an act of worship. And um, so that was huge, being God's word and feeling a sense of nobility, like that he would elevate these things and receive that as worship. And I remember at one point uh, being on my knees on the floor, picking up Cheerios and just sort of having a flash in my mind, like, what is my, what did happen to my life? (laughs) And, and that same moment, just feeling God's pleasure. And it wasn't like I was being overly spiritual on my knees praying. I was picking up cheerios, but I was on my knees in that posture and just feeling God's that God sees me and that he's pleased with me laying down my life. I think that was huge. And, um, in terms of like, uh, maintaining a sense of identity, I think I was in survival mode, so I wasn't really, honestly, I wasn't really in tune to that. Um, But I do remember my husband, every Monday, he was off work on Mondays, so he would send me out. I would go to Panera Bread every Monday. Whatever I was struggling with, I would find a chapter of a book or I would find, or just write in my journal and dump. So that was a huge blessing that was, I think, crucial. I think he did it to serve, but he did it selfishly because I was just so much happier if I got that time to myself (laughs) every week and could just like either study something or read or write. And that was huge back in those days. So
0: I think you and I are built, I mean, I know that you and I are built very similarly. Um, So a lot of what you say always really resonates with me. But first of all, that's huge for me too. I need my me thing. I need to feel like I haven't completely lost myself in this. But then also just that idea, I need a big picture for everything I'm doing. So if I can catch vision and I, you know, I think I probably live there maybe 75% of the time. If I can catch vision that changing diapers and splitting up fights and all that is for God's glory and it's kingdom work and it's shaping souls. And if I have vision for that, then I have joy for the day to day. As soon as I lose that, it's like, what is this life? Why am I doing this? I I really need that big picture. Like you said, this is a this is worship. I have to stay there or I go crazy. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I think yeah. it's true. All right. So talk talk to me about the whole raising three little boys. When when I was pregnant, I You know, people say like, I just, you know, I pray that the baby's healthy. And I was like, I want girls. I am not a boy mom. I cannot do this boy mom thing. And then my son came out and he was kind of everything I was worried he would be. (laughs) He is just (laughs) such a boy in every sense. And I'm so grateful to God that I have him because I adore him and he's great. But I'm so grateful to God that I have three girls and one boy (laughs) because I am definitely not a boy mom. So talk to us about raising boys.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of what's funny is when I was single, you know, I'm a reader. <laughs> I loved little women. And so I had this whole vision in my mind. I was going to have, you know, Mary Joe, Beth and Amy, the daughter, you know, and I was going to name those girls that. And I was to, And I love women. Like I've always been like, I love the youth group. I was always involved in young women's lives and the tightest two things. So I was so excited. So wow. I ended up with three boys. It was such a shock to my system. And also I grew up with one brother So I never saw how the boy thing, the brother dynamic worked. Um, So things that I, I think I had to get used to the idea that they're going to be very physical. They're like on each other all the time. They couldn't, they could never pass by one another in a hallway without shoving or, And that was just sort of a thing, you know, like I didn't understand it. Um, The random noise, like they, I remember thinking like, is something wrong with my child? Like, is this Tourette's? I I honestly didn't know. And I was dropping them off at homeschool gym and um, all these little boys were doing these noises. And I was like, Oh, that's normal. All of them are doing that. you know. (laughs) So it's just that kind of stuff. I think for us too, um, it was a lifestyle of competition, which was, exhausting for us all like who could get up the steps first who could do this first that first you know and i just remember that was a huge adjustment that i didn't grow up with because i have a sister and a brother and so that whole life style of um competition but i think one of the big things with boys is um trying to have faith for what you're seeing and not just view it like I was semi horrified half the time like what did you just don't step on your brother's throat he has to breathe. you know there's things like that and so I think that um having faith, like when they're taking risks and they're doing things that I would feel uncomfortable with, and, and there is a safety issue sometimes, just having faith for that, like, you no, know, I want them to be able to take risks in life. I don't want to mute everything. I don't want them to, you know, <laughs> just be, I do want them to be quiet and sit in the corner. with <laughs> yeah, but, right. That's just not how it's going to be. So right. I think just seeing things and rather than being shocked and horrified, trying to have faith for that, like, no, this is, you know, this could turn out to be a real helpful leadership gift, or this could be, this whole competition thing and learning how to lose, it looks really ugly in real life. Like I I have so many embarrassing stories on the ball field where my child is the one screaming his head off. And yeah, but anyway, you know, but still like what a great life skill. They've had to learn, you know, they've had to lose. They've had to be very up close to people who are better than them and worse than them. There's that kind of, just having faith for it.
0: All right, so what about, what it looked like to also have that relationship with your daughter stay strong and her not get lost in a house full of older boys.
1: Yeah. Um, She was great. Like I remember thinking like when she was first born, they were very doting. And again, we just watched family videos. It was so cute to see them just so gentle with her. But um, as she got older, they were pretty brutal. Like they would say things to her that, and let me tell you something, the mama bear, like if they mentioned anything about her physical appearance, like that is what would provoke me more than anything. But, and I remember thinking this girl's gonna have issues cause they're so mean to her. They treat her like, you know, but I have to say like, she's super thick skinned, you know, she's, you know, she is a really strong girl from having all those boys. She never got lost in the shuffle. She has a pretty strong personality, which I think is so great. So I think she's always made her way. And there were a few years when the boys were teenagers and she was still, you know, a little bit younger that I think she definitely did get, it was just so crazy trying to navigate through some of that, even just the practicals, like getting them everywhere. So I, I felt like she got a little bit neglected during that time, but even so like, we have a great relationship. She's my little buddy. We talk all the time. She's in the car with me. So um, I'm grateful that even those years that she she may have gone a little bit neglected, um, our relationship has been really solid. And I love having a girl. So I'm so grateful to have her. I love having my boys too, but there's something special about just me and her. You know, mm-hmm. that's awesome.
0: Yeah, you know my brothers, and yes, <laughs> they are brutal.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think I see it as a really as a really good thing too that yeah. it forced a sense of humor it's forced that Mm -hmm. like strength and I know when to laugh at myself I know when to stand up for myself and good so I actually think it's a really good dynamic once you get through it the funny thing is my brothers are younger than me but they have like (laughs) somehow lost the birth order in my family I don't know how that happened exactly but so they have really strong personalities um but I love I love that dynamic.
1: And, and I story. do too. And honestly, it's a zero drama policy. Like they do not right. let her. She's just, I think it was so funny though, when she was little and her friends would come over, she'd be like all touchy feely with them and bumbling. You know, like what she was used to her brothers doing. I remember having to tell her things like, you can't push your friend, you know, like <laughs> this. You know, I'm to explain her girls play differently. She was in a school situation for the first time in fourth grade. And I remember her coming home being semi- horrified that her friends were talking about each other behind their backs because she just hadn't experienced that she'd experienced it's action when we're together not you know and um and believe me she's not innocent in any way she's learned the whole girl thing but it was funny like how it is and and even the way she dresses the boys have been great with that you know the day don't do it in the nicest way but they'll be like no maggie you cannot wear that you got to go back and change you know so it's better than hearing it from them sometimes than from jason and i so it's funny. Right. Oh, good. All right. So one thing I've
0: loved to hear you talk about, because I look at you, you are my role model. Oh. And so I love to hear you talk about how you didn't feel like you were good at being a mom.
1: Yeah. Um, I have to be honest, it didn't really come naturally to me, you know, and it's funny, like, I think, mean, is it normal that I had to read books that told me to feed them every three hours? And, <laughs> you know, I did a lot of reading and, I just didn't know what I was doing. And I, and of course I jumped in the deep end with a set of twins first, but um, yeah, I didn't feel like it was a real natural. I was never a little kid person. Um, I did some babysitting, but I wasn't, that wasn't really my thing. And um, somehow I had it in my head though, that I was going to be an amazing mom. And I had this idea in my mind of what that would look like. And even as a young pastor's wife thinking, like I could see myself you know, just teaching other younger moms, you know, here's how to do it. And here's what I did and look at the fruit and they're asking because they're seeing good fruit. (laughs) You know, I had this fantasy in my mind. And so reality hit really, really hard. You know, not only was, I mean, I just, I practically didn't know what I was doing, but there was also, you know, it was very obvious very early on that um, I was sinning against them and I wasn't used to dying to myself like I would need to for, Parenting. So I felt constantly like I was falling short of my own expectations of myself. And I lived under that a lot in those early years. So um, the good thing, though, is I feel like God in his kindness has given me a different ministry platform. And that is, you know, that God's grace is big enough. Um, I would never have had a um, passion for the gospel and how the gospel applies to real life if I hadn't had this season of feeling like, first of all, that I was sinning all the time against these babies that I love. Um, second of all, that I wasn't in over my head and over my capacity and needed to draw on God for strength. So it was this, a really good season of, I feel like, desperation in a lot of ways. And it's what God used to help me to understand my need for Jesus Um that I wasn't going to be able to do this in my own strength. And that is really how I speak all the time. And I think I wanted to be able to get glory when I was younger. And now God just has it so that I can't. Any fruit, you know, I know, oh my gosh, the fact that I didn't totally ruin them is a miracle of God, you know. And I think that's so much better, honestly. I had this idea in my mind when they were little, you know, you think of these verses like your family theme verse about, you know, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits or like arrows in that hands of a warrior you know like I had all those ideas but honestly our family is like God chooses the foolish things of the world to change to shame the wise you know um in our weakness he is strong we have a different family verse and I'm so glad that that's kind of the culture we have here man we're sinners we prove it to ourselves but we also have a great
0: savior exactly Yep. Oh, I love that. I love one thing you said, um, that is sort of a unique struggle, I think for foster and adoptive parents, the whole over my capacity and that you were just lived in desperation. Yeah. It's, it's a funny thing being a foster adoptive parent, because you choose the chaos. So I know, you know, if it were given to you a checkbox, you probably wouldn't have been like, oh, twin boys, and then another one within a year. It's not something that you probably would have chosen. And foster and adoptive parents choose that. And I think that there can be a lot of questioning from people around us. um, Hmm. Condemnation, not understanding of like, You are desperate. You can't handle this. Why are you doing this to yourself? So I love Mm. just hearing like, clearly it was God ordained. God placed those babies in your womb. This is what he had for you. And he was good and sustained you through it. So I think that that will really encourage foster and adoptive moms who feel like, oh my gosh, I'm failing at this. And I shouldn't have these kids in my home because I'm in over my head. But just the Mm. promise that there's grace for that.
1: Absolutely, you know, and I think too, you know, there does, there, there is a humility of knowing, like, here, what my capacity is. But I do think, like, you know, God is, God can. I'm so glad He put me in a situation where I had to grow that capacity, and it's really uncomfortable when that's happening, and you don't even know that's what's happening, but you can kind of compare, like, when I first brought the twins home, what I thought was so, so hard. By the time I brought Izzy home, did not feel hard anymore because I had grown that capacity. There was a new thing that was hard, so I think that that is um, a huge work of grace that we miss sometimes. Is that you know this is God puts us in situations where we can't do it ourselves. Right. First to humble us, but also to show His glory through expanding our capacity, and it just happens really gradually and uncomfortably. Right. (laughs) I love that. I love that.
0: I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com realmompodcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about, any books or fun things we discuss, recipes, that will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom Podcast experience. So I always think of you as, all right, speak to me as a young mom. Tell me. So we've spoken a lot about that. What about all the listeners who are struggling with teen years? You're just sort of in
1: that coming out of that. Yeah. Um, I actually super love the teen years. And again, I was never a little kid person as much. So the older they got, the more not comfortable, but um, the more I was just able to enjoy them, and so I super love the teenagers. But that said, it is really, really hard. It was very hard. It Still, is hard actually. And um, yeah, I think one of the things that can happen—I you know, was thinking about this—is all of a sudden you have you have to navigate through gray areas that there are no Bible mm-hmm. verses. So you have to transition out of like the children obey your parents and the Lord, and. You know, the verses that are very black and white, and this is to like how to navigate um, social media, you know, the whole phone telephones or when they should have that, how much time for gaming, the boy girl thing that was, that's hard. So all the things that are just wisdom issues that are not sin issues, Mm -hmm. I think that can become very overwhelming trying to figure that out. So that's a big, huge transition that has to happen. Driving, you know, there's so many things. Um, So that was really, that's a hard part of it. I think in that, not losing um, track of the gospel, because it's so funny when they were little, when they would disobey, it was a real obvious, like you've, you know, but when we are trying to navigate through what's a reasonable amount of time, how much should you be texting this girl? You know, that kind of stuff, you can forget. You know to bring in the gospel because it's just you're trying to come with all these practical things to help them get through their life. So I think that was a um, an unexpected challenge with the whole teen years thing. But that said, I absolutely loved the teen years. I love watching them come into their own passions and what they were good at doing. And um I love doing the whole sports thing. You know, I'm not even a sports person, but I love the soccer games. It was crazy. We were in the car all the time. You know, they're passion for music or whatever they were going to get into that all kind of starts to happen during their teen years. And I love seeing all of that. That's really gratifying.
0: All right. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about you as a person, not just as a mom. What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you reading, watching and listening to? So yeah. let's start with what are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing something really different actually. I'm for the first time, I'm working outside of the home uh, for the first time since before I had kids. And so I am a long term sub for fourth grade at a Christian school in the area.
0: Fourth grade? Do you like, I have a fourth grader. Do you like fourth grade?
1: You know, I like high school. I, I'm an English. I was a high school English teacher. So half the time I'm like, is this like, I never know quite what's right. to, what to expect of these guys. Um, there's only two. My class is very tiny. It's just two girls. So it feels basically like homeschooling. And, um, but I do like it. I like it. I'm trying to get into that level of literature and, you know, but I'll be honest. I like high school better. Yeah. Okay. The, girl, the girls I like, they're great. Yeah. I'm doing things like equivalent fractions and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know how to do it, but do I know how to teach it? So, you know, it's been good. It's been a good time. I have only part-time.
0: So I can actually pull out my phone and be like, I do not know how to do this. But you really can't do that as the paid teacher. You need to know what you're teaching. No. So you probably exactly. are Googling beforehand. Wait, how do I do I know how to do this, but what does this mean again?
1: Yes. And uh YouTube actually is great because there are teachers who have my exact curriculum, the exact day of the lesson that they're teaching. So I can watch a professional teach the lesson and then I can turn around and teach the lesson. So that's been helpful. Something that didn't exist way back in the day. So that's what I'm doing in a like one in one sense. Um, You know, I waited a long time to be able to do ministry stuff full time. You know, when I was home with the kids, I did things. I always was involved with the church. but. I'm kind of in this season now where I can do a lot more. Um, So I'm able to like, one of the things that I love doing is I disciple the resolved girls in our church, which are the college and career aged girls. So I just started a session with them on just how to study your Bible. So we're just doing Bible study techniques, trying to help them learn how to do this for themselves. And that's been really gratifying. And also I'm doing a couple of teachings for I don't know what it is. Technically they're adult. It's a small group of ladies and I'm doing two out of the four talks for that one for the church as well. I don't really know who, what group they came from. It's sort of a, a are they single
0: la- ladies?
1: No, they oh, are. Okay. I think their husbands were in a a D group with our husband, with our husbands who are, pa- I'm a pastor's wife. Yeah. I guess I should say that too. And um, so there's a small group that's kind of like our pilot program for what is going to hopefully be a woman's discipleship. So When can I get in on this is the question. I'm hope, I'm when hoping can the I benefit. Okay, Oh, good. soon. And that whole point, like, I kind of feel bad for these late, like they're, they're our very first run through and um, hopefully it'll be helpful. Like I, my talks are on identity in Christ, which I think is really good to start with. And I'm doing the complementarian section, which is about you know, our view of how of biblical womanhood basically. Yeah. So we'll see, but be glad that you're not in the pilot room. You'll you'll be in the no group. That's probably, they're going to offer it to everybody, I think, in the fall, but honestly, it's so hard to say. I don't know. Awesome. Well, I can't yeah. wait for that. That's great. First of all, I take any
0: opportunity ever to hear you. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, so, and actually,
0: I would love to hear you talk about and because I love seeing the way that you embrace that and the way you embrace supporting your husband. But yeah. you are, you know, I throw around the the term like feminist and Christian women get angry at me.
1: No, <laughs> but, I know what you mean.
0: But just this like, I God has gifted me, God has called me, God has equipped, not me. I'm saying it theoretically, yes. me to this. And what does it look like to embrace um, biblical womanhood and embrace, you know, I'm a homeschool mom. I stay at home with my kids, but then also this. what else am I called to? And who else am I in Christ? What has he called me to? So, and you, I love the balance that you have with that and and your husband and the way you support each other. And so I would love to hear you talk on that. Okay. So what are you eating?
1: Yeah, (laughs) right now it's been two. We have a snow day here. And so I feel like I'm eating everything in sight. There's just something about the snow that makes yeah. me hungry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm not eating what I, sh- I, shouldn't be eating what I'm eating. I'm trying to- I was trying to think about this. Like I've been into um, noodle bowls and Vietnamese food was probably the last thing that I was eating that I loved eating. Bubble coffee, I love mm, that stuff. Music. I used to work in Philly and there was such fabulous restaurants there like that you could just walk to. And now that I'm back in the, you know, suburbs, I tried to find a place and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't like being there in the actual, where you're the only, uh, Caucasian girl in the whole place. Everybody else is, you know, actually Vietnamese. (laughs) That's when, you know, it's good food. Yeah, exactly. My family has a joke
0: that whenever there's like a restaurant choice that needs to happen, like, okay, where are we going? Jamie, if you say pho, we're going to hit you. (laughs) Say pho. (laughs) But yeah, that's my go-to also. So anytime I'm that. not with the people who are saying no, that's what
1: I'm eating. Awesome. Okay. What are you reading? And I know you have a whole list here. I was going to say, oh my gosh, I was trying to like, I was trying to narrow it down. First of all, what's appropriate to suggest? You well, know, do, do I, I'm a broad c- reader. Good. <laughs> do your
0: category. Like I always have like a deep theology, a Christian yes. living, a fiction,
1: a memoir. There you go. Non-fiction. Okay. I'll start right. with my fiction. And- okay. I'm not saying these are like high-quality literature, but I thought because, <laughs> of your, um, because of the program, I kind of got into these not knowing what the themes were. So there was a young adult book called Counting by Sevens. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. And her name is, gosh, I thought I wrote her, Andrea, wait, Holly Goldberg wrote Counting by Sevens. It's a young adult book about a girl who was adopted, mm. whose adoptive parents die in a crash. And so it's sort of like a little, and she's um, she's a genius, and so she's real quirky. And it's kind of from her perspective. So it's kind of got this—it's that coming of age slash um, community of people that come together with this child and where she ends up. So cool. I thought, well, since your group of people is all—it's all, it's all yeah. about foster and adopting—I cool. didn't know when I read it, and I thought it was a great book. Um, so another one—it would
0: be good for like a foster or adopted teenager, or do you think it could raise like you think it would be? Oh
1: gosh. You know, because I'm, I don't know, like if you, you read it first and then you, you know, it's a quick read and it's wholesome and it was a feel good one for me. Um, You know, it's definitely a hard subject matter. So I honestly don't know. Yeah. okay. I thought really well done. Cool. Um, Another one that was just, I had read it because it was on a bestseller list was Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeymoon. I, mean, I had another girl on the show who's a huge reader, like book a day. And she recommended that too. Yeah. And cause she's also, um, the main character has experience in the foster. Okay. Like that's part of how, like when you first meet this main character, she's so provoking and you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can hang in here. But as you start to see her story and it's another coming of age story, even though she's already an adult. Yeah, okay. Watching her deal with some things, and the, cool. again, the unlikely community of people that come around her. So I must like that stuff: the coming of age and the unlikely community. Those are <laughs> <of my> <laughs> like But like I said, they're not like brilliant, deep literature. They're just great stories. And I just thought I literally have read them in the last month or two. So I thought your readers might like that. Cool. What I'm reading, like fiction, I'm reading through. um I don't know if you know the Inspector Gamache series by Louise Penny. I'm. That's like what I'm reading, like literally right now. It's one of the books from that, and those are really good. They're they're pretty good quality. They're well written. Um, again, they're murder mysteries. They're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. There was, there's there's violence and those types of things. But, oh, don't apologize So your my that you're fine. You know what I'm afraid of is like that. I'm, that I'm I just, just like there's stuff,
0: stuff in there
1: I hope are I've tried to go through my head and think. All right. Don't shock the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Those are good. Um, Nonfiction, like my spiritual books, one of my favorite ones I've read this year is called Befriend by Scott Sauls. And the subtitle is um, creating belonging in an area, in an age of judgment, isolation, and fear. Mm. And it's just so, it's a different voice um, speaking to so many things, you know, like how to befriend people who are, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ, the community, um, other people from other ethnic backgrounds, people, he hits everything, the gay, lesbian community, like that stuff. He hits all of those things in a very wise and godly way. So I appreciated that. And it was a real easy, it's not like so heady that you couldn't, like, I don't know, go through it fairly quickly. Yeah. I'm also doing, uh, reading Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is a little bit more of a um, slug your way through it. Heady but it's, but it's short, you know, so you can do it in small, it's a very short book. And so again, kind of that whole concept of um, this one's more about the church and doing life together in a community. And I, his perspective, having been um, a prisoner during Nazi Germany and his love for the gathered people and Mm. his perspective on it gives you a whole other, I don't know, appreciation for the availability of community that we just have. So I'm really grateful for that. So I have a practical one. Do you want me to do another one? Yes, I, I can keep going. Right. I know you're a reader. I know you have a list <laughs> of like 20 that you were sorting I, I was like, which ones? Okay. Well, this one, I just think I'm, I've just started this one, so I don't recommend it yet, but I think it's going to be interesting. It's called the Beck Diet Solution by Judith Beck. And it's basically a cognitive therapy approach to dieting. Oh. It's not a diet itself. Yeah. Okay. It is sort of how to stay on a diet using principles of cognitive therapy. So, even though it's like, you know, much more, I guess, practical, like you, you tell yourself the goals, it has, it has a lot of those little things. It's a six week program, and each day you're supposed to do something, you know, to add to the program that progresses you along the path. So there was enough in the, um, when I skimmed through it, that I thought this could be really helpful, but I'm modifying it somewhat just because of my, um, you know, how to bring, I guess, God's grace into the situation okay. and right. biblical principles as well. So that's really. kind of that one. Cool. So.
0: Well, if I was ever going to be as successful on a diet, I think I would need cognitive
1: therapy to do it. So yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll- And she's great. She says that she's like, we try to like, it's like running it's like training for a marathon. I don't know about day, that either. You know, in just course, jumping yeah. at me either, but you know, so I said you have to prepare and this is sort of, yeah. That. Yeah. All right. So what are you watching? Um, we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Have
0: you ever watched That's that funny. one? You know what? I've watched it and I laugh every time, but yeah, I funny. have a hard time with comedies because I'm all about characters. So yes. I have to stick with it and I usually can't do that.
1: Right. So because of uh, the people who I live with in the house, yeah. that's that we can all kind of watch. Right. So, um, yeah, I read, I read more than I probably watch TV or I do a lot of audio books. Like I'll do that while I'm cleaning and stuff like that. So that's probably partly why this is the comedy thing. I'm trying to think of like, I just haven't been watching a lot of, TV lately. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but I just thought like you're catching me at a, like, I'm literally in between some things.
0: Yeah. I know that you used to always been in, be into the singing shows. Are you into the singing shows right now? Like no, I,
1: haven't. Haven't. I don't,
0: I probably wouldn't watch American Idol on my own, but because my kids like it, it's yes. something that we can all be okay with.
1: Like from the three-year-old all the yep. way up because yeah. people are It's true. And that's, that is when we did it It was when we were trying to figure out like who was ready for what those shows were great because we could all actually watch those. So, yeah, but I haven't, they, they kind of took a, I don't know. I just feel like they'd lost their charm for us. Maybe I need to rediscover them. I don't know. So, well, and your kids are older now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: My three-year-old and nine-year-old love it. I don't know if my kids were 20, if they'd be into it still.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. All right. So what are you listening to? I'm probably listening. I feel like I lost my uh, control over the music selection when yeah. I had teenagers in the car and I'd let them choose the music. So I haven't really, a Maggie now, you know, so I don't really have my own music. I'm listening to podcasts probably when I, more than I'm listening to actual music right now. Okay. So, like what? Um, I'm listening to, well, I listen to yours and I've loved it. I think you're Aww. doing an awesome job on Yay, this. And you. I like, um, there is a, Podcast called Risen Motherhood. I think that's what it's called. I'm terrible at names. I need my. That's friends. all right. I'll
0: link to it, so don't worry about it.
1: I think that one's really good. Um, for they they do a good job. I feel like being gracious and encouraging young moms. I like um, the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. Oh
0: yeah, I like that too.
1: Her um, and I listened to the other uh, some other ones. Like I haven't listened to all the way through to recommend them, but I love some of the podcasts that are like serial, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. ones where they're either true crime, you know, true crime, yep. or um, there was one called, and again, this isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea, so you just have to know yourself and what you're okay with, but Crime Town, that went through the whole, you know, the mafia in Providence, Rhode Island, it was really fascinating, so sometimes I'll get into those kind, Cool. but I'm in the middle of a couple of those right now, but I, I don't necessarily know if I would recommend, I don't know yet. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, this was a great conversation. Everything I was hoping it would be. Honestly, most of these things that you've said, I've heard you say before. And I was like, all right, what questions can I ask to get her to say the things that I know she said that has affected me? And some of the things are really, I carry them in my heart. Just that idea of worshiping God uh, mm-hmm. through picking up Cheerios and, and really embracing the struggle because it's where you come close to God. So you've really affected me in my parenting with so many of those things and I wanted to share that with the people who are listening. So tell us where, I know that you're not, one of my life goals, which I'm failing at, is to get you <laughs> to write and, and speak. Like the fact that people read my writing and hear my speaking and not yours is like a great failure in my <laughs> So so sweet. (laughs) you're going to have a book soon. And when you do, I'll have you on again and we'll, but tell us about your podcast. I mean, I'm sorry about your blog.
1: Well, the only time I was consistent with the blog was when my kids were younger and it's a blog called ordinary mother. And which is, um, I think it's a wordpress it's ordinary what mother dot wordpress.com. I think. And I'll link. it. Yeah. And you could, that's like a real time so you can see how I really was back in the day. So I have um, some of the blog posts on there are about the whole thing about competition being a way of life and my journey through uh, how to deal with chronic failure as a mom. <laughs> you know? You'll see a lot of those types of posts on there. And I would, you know, I, right now, a lot of what God has me doing is just real real life and the teachings that are here and local. But I do want to get into writing. I just think I'm constantly in a state of transition and so it's been hard to just settle down and figure out, okay, when can I do this, you know? And also, what would I, where do I zoom in on? And I just love that how God's using you. You have a very specific calling and anointing, and it's very obvious how God's using you. I don't necessarily feel like that specifically, you know, yet called. So we'll see. Well, but I can't wait to see support. how it plays out. and read your book
0: and to tell everyone else to read your book too. So, it's a little bit of a topic.
1: bit <laughs> oh of the topic for a book. I've got, I've got a pamphlet. I've got a great pamphlet, but as far as the whole book, I don't
0: know. All right. Well, hopefully I'm going to push everyone to your blog. Um, but this was a great conversation. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for all the book recommendations this was great. So thanks Lori. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the real mom podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash real mom podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash real mom podcast or on Instagram at, at real mom podcast. Thanks for listening.